Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. We They do great work for us, and I hope you'll check them out. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date. By reading Life in Naples, the website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show for you today, including special guest Bob Levy, Chairman Emeritus of the Cato Institute. We'll be continuing our conversation about executive overreach, exercise of war powers, and assassination of American citizens. We'll also visit with Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. It is May 24th, and on this day in 1943, the extermination camp at Auschwitz, Poland, received a new doctor, 32-year-old Josef Mengele, a man who had earned the name the Angel of Death. Born in March the 16th, 1911, in Bavaria, Mengele studied philosophy under Alfred Rosenberg, whose racial theories highly influenced him. In 1934, already a member of the Nazi Party, he joined the research staff at the Institute of Heredity, Biology, and Racial Hygiene. That says a lot, doesn't it? Racial hygiene. Upon arriving at Auschwitz and eager to advance his medical career by publishing a groundbreaking work, he began experimenting on live Jewish prisoners. In the guise of medical treatment, he injected and ordered others to inject thousands of inmates with everything from petrol to chloroform. He also had a penchant for studying twins whom he used to dissect. Mengele managed to escape prison after the war, first by working at a farm stableman in Bavaria and then making his way to South America. He became a citizen of Paraguay in 1959. He later moved to Brazil, where he met up with another former Nazi member, Wolfgang Gerhard. In 1985, a multinational team of forensic experts traveled to Brazil in search of Mengele. They determined that a man named Gerhard, uh, but believed to be Mengele, died of a stroke while swimming in 1979. Dental records later confirmed that Mengele had, at some point, assumed Gerhard's identity and was, in fact, the stroke victim. A fictional account of Josef Mengele's life after the war was depicted in the film Boys from Brazil. If you want to find out more about that, the name of the movie is Boys from Brazil. After months of uh, buildup and speculation, Republican Governor Ron DeSantis, our own Florida governor, is officially entering the 2024 uh, White House race today. Uh, Sources familiar confirmed that the popular conservative governor will declare at 6 p.m. around then, during a conversation with Elon Musk on Twitter, along with his announcement, DeSantis is expected to file paperwork for the Federal Elections Commission, which officially launched his GOP presidential campaign. His first national TV interview since the announcement will be with Trey Gowdy on Wednesday at 8 p.m. on Fox News Tonight. I don't know if that's a great selection, but irrespective, uh, that's his plan. Well, Governor Ron DeSantis appointed uh, Judith Judge Meredith Sasso to the Florida Supreme Court. She's currently the chief judge at the Florida 6th District of Appeal, located in Lakeland. I'm proud to appoint Judge Meredith Sasso to the Florida Supreme Court because her fidelity to the Constitution will help preserve freedom in our state for generations to come, said DeSantis. After, as a Cuban-American, 
woman who understands the importance of our constitutional system and the rule of law, Judge Sasso will serve our state well, said uh, DeSantis. I'm incredibly honored that DeSantis is entrusting me with the position, said uh, Sasso. The judiciary plays a critical and unique role in our constitutional government, and I'm resolutely committed to upholding the rule of law for as long as I am privileged to serve. Music to my ears, Judge Sasso. She's extremely well qualified, by the way. Receiving her undergraduate degree from the University of Florida in 2005 and her law degree from the University of Florida in 2008, Judge Sasso began her career in private practice in state and federal courts at, at trial and appeal. She also served as a guardian ad litem. These are wonderful people looking out for those that uh, have no guardians or uh, no parental care, uh, representing abused and neglected children. Judge Sasso was raised in Tallahassee, Florida, and is married with two children. She currently serves as appointed member of the Florida Bar Appellate Court Rules Committee. She also is a member of the American Enterprise Institute Leadership Network and the Federalist Society, among other things. She's got a number of accomplishments. So congratulations to the governor for making a great choice, Judge Sasso, to the Supreme Court. As the debt impasse, uh, ceiling impasse between President Joe Biden and the GOP members of Congress continues, the U.S. Treasury is asking federal agencies if they can make payments at a later date to avoid a possible default in early June. Sources uh, told the Washington Post that the move is an attempt by the Biden administration and Tre- Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen to buy time for the United States before it runs out of money to pay its some obligations for the first time in history. <clears throat> A memo asking the agency to up to date Treasury on all deposits and disbursements between $50 and $500 million at least two days in advance and five days before making payments over $500 million, the report said. Yellen has sent another letter Monday to Republican House Speaker Kevin McCarthy reiterating her position that the Treasury's funds will dry up in early June, possibly by June 1st, if the debt limit is not raised, allowing the nation to borrow enough to pay its bills. McCarthy and Biden met Monday to discuss the issue, and while both men said their talks were productive, no agreement was reached. Uh, Yellen said the continued impasse could cause serious harm to business and consumer confidence, raise short-term borrowing costs for the taxpayers, and negatively impact the credit rating in the United States. It's also have a pretty good impact, not a positive one, on the uh, markets, financial markets as well. In fact, we've already seen uh, Treasury's borrowing costs increase substantially for securities maturing in June. If Congress fails to increase the debt limit, it would cause severe hardship for American families, harm uh, our global leadership position, and raise questions about our ability to defend our national security interests. What I don't like about this communication, it doesn't give any proof and uh, quite frankly, I wonder if she sent this to McCarthy and maybe she's giving another story to uh, <clears throat> to Biden. It may be because uh, it seems like uh, everything's bad's going to happen if we don't do this, she's saying on one hand. On the other hand, Biden's not demonstrating any sense of urgency with regard to getting this problem solved and negotiated. In his keynote address to the opening session of the National Religious Broadcasters International Christian Media Convention here on Monday night, Reverend Franklin Graham minced no words regarding faith in societies today. In society today, he told those gathered, "There is a storm coming, and we're all going to have going to have to be prepared." 
Reverend Graham also said that every demon from hell has been turned loose in our culture today. I think he's right about that in so many ways. Well, U.S. Surgeon General Vivek Murthy issued an advisory yesterday on which potential dangers of social media for children, highlighting its negative impact on mental health and overall well-being. They think this is an important message. I hope parents will pay attention. The report focused on children and teenagers aged 10 to 19 whose developing brains are particularly vulnerable. While social media can be beneficial as a creative outlet, studies show excessive social media use is linked to problems such as cyberbullying, exposure to harmful content, disrupted sleep patterns, negative body image, and reduced physical activity. Spending more than three hours per day on social media was found to double the risk of symptoms related to depression and anxiety. Uh, Teenagers average around three and a half hours on uh, social media and their computers and cell phones. The advisor also Follows a request from the American Psychological Association last year for Murthy to raise awareness about the potential risks. Nearly 95% of young people aged 13 to 17 use social media platforms. Report outlines uh, recommendations for technology companies and policymakers, including strengthening safety safety standards and enhancing data privacy measures and considering age restrictions on the use of the devices. It's a big problem. And... uh, as you know, and I'm guilty of it too, I pick up my device all the time if I have a spare moment, but irrespective, it's not healthy. And uh, it's uh, also creating, in my opinion, deterioration of our social relationships. And then you see, you can all the time, so you go into a restaurant, and you see kids sitting at the table with their grandparents or parents. They're playing with their devices instead of visiting and enjoying dinner together. Well, during this year's Emily's List Gala, President Joe Biden praised former Speaker Nancy Pelosi for her role in revitalizing revitalizing the economy during the Great Depression. I'm not kidding. He really said that. The video of Biden's statement, although recorded last week, gained attention and circulated on Tuesday, uh, specifying, speaking highly of Pelosi's contributions, Biden credited her with assisting in the recovery of the economy during a challenging period in history. The Great Depression, of course, was in the 30s, nearly a century ago. He's just confused. Maybe he meant 2008. Who knows? Well, a mayor in uh, Utah on May the 23rd launched a bid for the U.S. Senate seat held by Mitt Romney. Now, this is terrific, in my opinion. Right now, Washington is broken, and every time we compromise, it costs us trillions. We have more IRS agents than border agents, and while we're paying $4 a gallon for gas, they're sending our money unchecked to Ukraine. Now there's almost $32 trillion in debt. Enough is enough, uh, Reverend uh, Mayor Tread. Uh, Trent Stagg said in his announcement in the video, Staggs criticized Romney, who has earned ire from Republicans for some of his positions, including voting for uh, convict then uh, to convict then uh, President Donald Trump of impeachment, and said he believes someone else should represent Utah in Congress. When uh, Romney, 76, decided to run for Senate, the former Massachusetts governor said he pushed to end illegal immigration, balance the budget, combat uh, combat federal uh, government overreach, and confirm judges who adhere to the U.S. Constitution. The only thing I've seen him fight for is the uh, are the establishment wokeness, open borders, impeaching President Trump, and putting him even putting us even deeper in debt. Stag said. 
headlines regarding Romney uh, marching in the Black Lives Matter protest in Washington in 2020, voting twice to convict Trump of impeachment and siding with Democrats and 17 other GOP senators to improve a $1.7 trillion spending package uh, were shown to viewers. Romney was also one of just three Republicans to vote for Supreme Court Justice Kajani Brown-Jackson, a President Joe Biden appointee, and he's helped confirm other Biden appointees like Department of Homeland Security Alejandro Mayorkas. He's the first, uh, the first major Republican to launch a campaign for that seat. Wish him luck. I think uh, I voted for Romney when he was running for president. Don't regret it, but uh, he's uh, just turned the corner here to being... I think uh, not a team player when it comes to Republican politics uh, and making America great again. <clears throat> this segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you visit the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Bob Levy. He is the uh, Chairman Emeritus of the Cato Institute. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, 
Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to visit with Andrew Joppa. Right now we have with us Bob Levy. He is the Chairman Emeritus of the Cato Institute. Good morning, Bob, and thank you so much for joining us. Always a pleasure. Good to be with you, Bob. Thank you, Bob. Tell us about the Cato Institute. We are a libertarian think tank headquartered in Washington, D.C., and focused on free markets, private property, securing individual rights, and limited government. C-A-T-O dot O-R-G on the web. Thank you so much, Bob. So we've been talking about executive overreach over the last few weeks. And uh, last week, uh, left off with exec- exercise of war powers. Uh, what was the war powers record of the Obama and Trump administrations? Well, Obama ignored the uh, War Powers Act, even after he mocked uh, President Bush for abusing his wartime authority. And you recall a Libyan intervention. Ro- Obama relied only on a U.N. Res- resolution. He had no congressional declaration or statutory authority, and there was, of course, no attack on U.S. interests. And I think ditto in in Syria, uh, where Obama threatened uh, imminent military actions if his chemical weapons red line was was crossed. Mm -hmm. In Syria, he didn't even have the U.N. uh, support. Trump's policy was a bit better. Uh, uh, He... uh, was properly skeptical of nation-building and of exporting democracy. If there was a criticism of Trump, it was that he spoke loudly and carried a small stick. I'm all in favor of the (laughs) small stick. Uh, The speaking loudly sometimes could be modified a bit. Of course, it worked. (laughs) Yes, that's true. So what do the framers have to say about war powers? Well, originally, the text of the Constitution said Congress can make war. And that was changed before ratification to declare war, um, enlisting, uh, establishing that the, uh, the president can supervise the conduct of the war, but only after hostilities are authorized. So uh, remember, the, the sentiment at the time of the founding was fear of executive power, mm-hmm. sort of. Uh, we don't want to return to the king. And against that sort of backdrop, uh, Obama claimed unilateral wartime powers with few, if any, safeguards. In effect, a presumption that nearly anything he did in that arena was okay. So the president, I think, uh, <clears throat> it's fair to say the president is commander-in-chief of the armed forces, but that doesn't mean he's commander-in-chief of the entire nation. So many policies do not come under this uh, commander-in-chief authority. I wonder if you could opine about uh, our situation right now in Ukraine. Uh, Do you think that uh, is constitutional? Well, the congressional authorization seems to be there. And the president has acted, I think, for the most part, in accordance with that authorization. Um, There may be acts that he has taken that exceed strict statutory limits. But I don't know what those acts are, frankly, yeah. even though I've heard such accusations made. 
Thank you for that, Bob. So according to libertarians, we can consider uh, Cato, the Cato Institute, to be uh, libertarian. Uh, what war powers are justified? Yeah, that's a really uh, key question. And I think the, the libertarian position is the following, that wars are justified under um, eight different conditions. Mm. Uh, first, there's a grave public evil that has to be redressed. Second, the war is authorized by a legitimate public authority, usually Congress. Third, our vital interests are at stake. Fourth, we can achieve success without using force that's grossly disproportionate. Fifth, we take measures to avoid collateral damage. Mm -hmm. Sixth, we exhaust alternatives that are nonviolent. Seventh, we have support from our allies and remember Vietnam, of course, support from the public. And then finally, we've identified our objectives. We know what our goals are, and we have an exit strategy, a way of extricating ourselves from the conflict. Boy, Those I, eight uh, criteria, I think, define what a libertarian would believe to be a just war. And uh, in my own mind, right, just from a knee-jerk reaction in the last... 50 years or 60 years, we haven't abided by those eight principles at all. So that, That's absolutely correct. Yep. So let's move to uh, the assassination of U.S. citizens. It seems unbelievable that we'd be talking about this topic, but it's happened. What was Obama's position regarding the assassination of U.S. citizens? Well, the, <clears throat> this involves these drone and other attacks designed to... Um, assassinate our enemies, and then as it turns out, maybe you know, on occasion, one of those enemies might be a U.S. citizen. Mm -hmm. So there was a uh, Justice Department white paper issued under the Obama administration where he was authorized to kill any American citizen who an informed high-level official decides is a senior operational leader of al-Qaeda or some other terrorist force like ISIS, and that that person, that target, presents an imminent threat of violent attack, and it also depends on other governments being unable or unwilling uh, to do what we propose to do. So the problem with that, of course, is we don't know which U.S. officials can decide that. We don't know which leaders can be assassinated. We don't know what is meant by imminent, how imminent is imminent. Right. According to the, the white paper, the, the president had no need to consult Congress or the courts or even to tell the public before or even after uh, the killings occur. So I think it's fair to say that that white paper was a, a, a carte blanche that uh, um, we should not be uh, following that sort of a policy. I mean, uh, where's the accountability? Who wrote the paper? I mean, to right. me, that's it, the Justice Department uh, white paper during the Obama administration. Yeah, it is unbelievable. So what does the Constitution say about this? Well, the Constitution, the Fifth Amendment, ensures that U.S. persons can't be denied due process. <clears throat> and so you have to ask yourself, what process is due? Well, it's due at the highest level when the person is a U.S. citizen. Mm -hmm. uh, now, it, 
it doesn't mean that you can't kill citizens. Some citizens can be killed even without due process. You know, take an extreme case. Say a U.S. citizen threatens to kill hostages. He can be stopped by law enforcement authorities. And any American who serves in a foreign army that's at war with the United States is plainly a legitimate uh, uh, target. Uh, so that's the general uh, the general rule under the Fifth Amendment. Uh, U.S. citizens have to be given the highest form of due process, except in really extraordinary circumstances. Uh, my first reaction to that is even here on domestic territory, we're not uh, enfor- enforcing that for January 6th, people who've been uh, incarcerated with <laughs> no, no due process, uh, but just my thought. So do you conclude that the killing of uh, Anwar al-Awlaki was unconstitutional? Well, I think it was unlawful. Nobody identified a threat from him that was imminent, uh, if you interpret imminent as meaning, you know, about to happen. Uh, he wasn't directly involved in 9-11, uh, even if he was uh, an al-Qaeda agent. Um, that's not the same as a soldier engaged in in uh in combat. So, you know, assassination might be lawful if he were actively fighting on a battlefield, but it isn't lawful if he's simply sitting in Yemen and uh, thinking about attacks. Uh, there were no hostilities in process from there. So, I mean, but to be clear, I'm not suggesting that he couldn't be or shouldn't be uh, or have been assassinated. Uh-huh. But when U.S. citizens are targeted, as I indicated, more process is due. Yeah. Uh, that doesn't mean a trial before a federal court, but maybe the equivalent uh, of a, a warrant, you know, that requires some non-executive branch official uh, with relevant expertise in, in these areas to certify that there's sufficient cause. Uh, the separation of powers doctrine, if it means anything, it stands for the proposition that citizens should not be killed on command of the executive branch alone without regard uh, to the Fifth Amendment. That is so interesting, Bob. I really appreciate your clarification on these important issues. I want to continue the conversation on uh, uh, executive overreach next week. Really appreciate you joining us. Thanks so much for joining us. My pleasure, Bob. Good to be with you. Thank you so much, Bob. All right, coming up, Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor.
Finish what you started with the Hodges University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, changing lives through exceptional theater experiences. And I hope you'll visit uh, Gulf Shore Playhouse. You can get tickets there and find out more about this terrific organization, gulfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we have with us Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. Andy, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, Andy. So you, we usually start our Wednesday conversations with some good news. Do you have some good news for us? Uh, there is some good news, and as I indicated <laughs> offline, uh, some of the good news stories that I, as I see it, are by inference. In other words, we confer uh, good news coming out of stories that may not seem to be that way on the surface. But let's, let's start out with what I regard as some, some really good news stories. In the first place, there's some recent polling and survey work that indicates the the cancel culture is beginning to collapse, and I think certainly that's a, a good news story. If we look back just a little while ago, uh, three things could happen to a conservative who violated the woke rules or regulations. Uh, they could get fired, lose their employment, and then have their lives damaged. The second thing is they could uh, humiliate themselves and abjectly apologize, and they may survive doing that, but with humiliation. But right now, there seems to be a strong process going on to uh, defend, protect, and, and actually applaud those people who stand in opposition to the woke culture. Uh, I think we're seeing some of that on, on Twitter with Elon Musk, the success of Ron DeSantis, the success historically uh, of, uh, of Donald Trump. We're seeing uh, a lot of pushback from the public in terms of polling on woke issues. So, uh, as you know, anytime I see a positive movement in a culture, I think that is a, that is a real good news story, Bob. It really is, and I must say that I saw uh, almost like a light switch being turned uh, when uh, Obama uh, ceased to be president and Trump came in, everything changed almost immediately with regard to our culture and uh, wokeness. That, that was one of the most dramatic moments in our history, exactly as you describe it, Bob. It was like a light switch from, from dark to light immediately. So, And by the way, I might even add to that story about the, the change in the woke culture. Certainly we can, uh, I don't want to go back into the, the Bud Light dilemma, but certainly that can be highlighted. Yep. Uh, it wasn't an organized boycott, but certainly apparently millions of citizens uh, who drink Bud Light decided not to. Uh, Bud Light is now buying back 
or offering to buy back a lot of their Bud Light from their from their retailers. So obviously, this is a a, a major ongoing issue for Bud Light. Target uh, that has created a uh, LBGTQ um, clothing area, especially promoting it for children, has now come under pressure in a lot of their stores to certainly go low profile with that. So we can see a lot of pushback, a lot of absence of success when these woke models are are pushed to the public. Uh, And that includes, and it must include, some of the, uh, the pressures being exerted on the public schools. And I would say particularly, and, and, and to the great uh, credit of, of Ron DeSantis uh, in the schools of Florida, Bob. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it's just amazing to me how uh, the, the pristine, the brand of Anheuser-Busch and Bud Light, how, how, how great that brand was over the years have been nurtured and taken care of. And just one act like that has really, I think, tarnished the brand. And it, it appears to be, uh, it can't be solved. It's not, it's not going away. It doesn't seem to be resolvable. I mean, there are sometimes, regardless of all the positives that precede a moment, the moment is so defining yeah. that you can't escape from it. For example, if somebody murders somebody, they, the fact that they lived an exemplary life prior to that doesn't matter all that much. And, and the same thing applies in, in this type of area. You know, we can see these marketing decisions, the marketing decisions at, uh, at, uh, at uh, Budweiser, at Miller, uh, at Target. And, and I, I hate to harp on this, but they're being made by young, uh, young executive women. Uh, this is a, a very a leftist, of course. This is not applicable to conservative women, but the leftist women are making some some very bad decisions for their organizations and for the uh, for the people around them. Bob, that's absolutely true. Well, I hope uh, corporations around the country will take notice and learn from this experience. In my opinion. Uh, it's okay to have, if you want to have a, a gay club or a, whatever kind of club you want to have it, within the confines of the corporation, that's fine. People should be able to communicate, but no one should have the permission to anyhow to express a point of view outside of the brand. Uh, nobody should have that right to put their job in jeopardy. You, you have a job, and uh, I've always, when I teach ethics, I say one of the major uh, ethical responsibilities <clears throat> is when you accept a responsibility is you fulfill it. Yeah. So if you're accepting a responsibility of being a brand manager at, uh, at, at Budweiser or any other company, uh, and it's beyond just the business aspect of it, you have an ethical responsibility to fulfill. You can't but push, push that aside and, and go in your own private and personal directions, Bob. So uh, it's a very serious issue, and I think it's one that seems to be being won, if I might put it this way, by the good guys in American culture, Bob. Thank you, Andy. Uh, any other good news? Well, there's an interesting story, and I, I regard it as a good news story. I, I, I presume it might have legs. I'm not sure if it will. But uh, one of the presidential candidates, Vivek Ramaswamy, who I like a lot, yeah. he's not going to be president, but that doesn't mean I can't like him a lot. Right. Uh, that's always true of presidential <clears throat> candidates. The fact that you don't think they will be president or should be president doesn't mean you don't like them. Right. Uh, so in Vivek Ramaswamy's case, he has come out recently and said that the voting age should be pushed to the age of 25. Now, mm-hmm. this may seem radical to many people, but we have to remember the uh, the age of maturity has floated around in cultures uh, across the board. If we go back to ancient Rome, uh, the age of maturity in ancient Rome was 25. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what they said. Before you could enter into civic responsibilities, you had to be 25. So when we're looking at this, it would take a 
a constitutional amendment, uh, but it can be done. And it's being supported by even what I would regard as a leftist publication, at least slightly to the left publication, Psychology Today, uh, in which they have a current article that documents essentially uh, the lack of maturity in 25 uh, in 18 year olds. Yeah. And what their, their theme is, is that 25 is the new 18. So they're indicating that because of the culture and the world that the, uh, the young people live in, they are not maturing in, in the, in the same, uh, just at the same rate as they were 25 or even 30 years ago. So I think this is a, a significant move. This would affect uh, the Gen Zers primarily at this point. Uh, but I just think it's a good idea. Whether it can come to pass, uh, I don't know, Bob. Yeah, I think it's a good idea, too. But how do you square being able to send kids off to battle and to die for America at age 18, but they can't vote until 25? Well, I don't know how much... Um maturity it requires to do that and i don't want to be uh, flipping about it but again there's a significant difference between in my estimation yeah. uh, a, a, a uh, evaluating political candidates, understanding the context in which they operate, understanding the world as it exists, and, and someone being called for military duty. I, I am not in any way uh, negating the, the implication of what it takes to have a, a young man or woman go into the military. I'm just saying it's a different type of context, Bob. Uh, thank you for that, Andy. Andy, you need to take a little break. Can you stick around? I will be here, Bob. All right, we're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the uh, Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Finish what you started with a Hodges University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. 
pipe up my, my microphone before I start talking. The show is brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. We get politics and we know the policy. Uh, and we, and I say we because I'm on the board of this organization and very proud of it, we pre- help prepare elected officials to have a winning strategy in the legislature. And you can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. We continue the conversation with Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. Again, Andy, thank you so much for joining us. Good to be here, Bob. Thank you, Andy. So uh, you're on a roll. You have more good news? Well, um, these are some of the stories that by inference I think are good news. They're not on the surface good news, but I think we can infer that. Uh, Another group has, in fact, come out uh, putting out a travel advisory for Florida, uh, this is uh, right now the Human Rights Campaign, the HRC group, uh, we had, has come out with a travel advisory for the uh, LGBTQ uh, group in Florida. This has been preceded with the NAACP uh, also issuing a travel advisory for Florida. Uh, I think the good news is that, uh, look, I, have, I hope that uh, African Americans and gays come to Florida in mass and you know enjoy this wonderful free state. But again, any of those people in those categories that somehow would not come to Florida because of this silly travel advisory, I, I am certainly glad to see them not coming. Uh, but again, I think it's another. I like to see things that are that are so ridiculous on their on their face, Bob, that they tend to expose the, the nature of the left itself uh, without taking a breath here. Let me just add another story to that type of concept. Uh, recently, a, um, a uh, U-Haul crashed into the gate at the White House, and uh, it was a U-Haul truck. Inside of it, apparently, they only had, or the driver only had one thing, a Nazi flag. And, of course, immediately the media was saying that this was a, a right-wing supremacist. Uh, this gentleman's name, let me see if I can get this right, is Sevarsif uh, Kandula. Uh, he is from India. Uh, and essentially would not, by, by normal leftist consideration, be, be labeled white by any, any stretch of the imagination. Yet in this particular story, again, exposing the absurdity of the left, uh, this man is labeled immediately, without any investigation whatsoever, uh, a white supremacist, Bob. You know, I'm getting really tired of identity politics. I mean, I suppose, you know, we're all individuals. We have our own unique motivations and our e- unique uh, aspirations in life. And, you know, somehow because someone is black or white or Indian or whatever it might be, it makes a difference. It doesn't make a difference. Well, I mean, this, this issue of diversity, diversity without unity is, is deadly. Uh, we've seen that in the Balkans. <laughs> we've seen that throughout human history. So there's no one uh, in, in my in my uh, field of friends or uh, people I know in any way uh, that somehow are, are against people of, of all races and ethnic groups and so forth becoming part of the mainstream American uh, experience. Uh, but on the other hand, if this is done as it's done now, uh, to the detriment of unity, yeah. uh, then this is a serious negative that impacts on the country or on corporations as, as it's fulfilled. Uh, just recently, just yesterday, I guess, there was a professor from uh, Hunter College. I had gone to, to Hunter for a while back in the early 60s, uh, and a reporter goes to a door to challenge some earlier aggressive things she had done in the lobby of, of Hunter to a pro-life group, and she comes out with a machete to his throat. Now, this is done, and the reason I even point it out, Bob, is because she has gained in her mind the allowance 
to do that kind of extreme yeah. thing uh, as a part of her of her woke package. And I think this is this is the kind of of, of, of danger that I see with it. That this is uh, this issue is being so. Uh, propagated uh, that it's giving license uh, to people who are mentally imbalanced to act in a way as as did the college professor. Yeah, so interesting, Andy. Well, you're on a roll. Do you have more good news? Because uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I would like... Yeah, this is good news, and I wanted to talk about this. This is a real good news story, not an inferred one. Uh, recently, uh, AOC had made some comments disparaging the Republican Party and uh, specifically the Republican Party in Florida, as, as she is prone to do with no substance, of course. So I, I never care about what they say. But I do care always what conservatives say in response. It's yeah. always what we say that matters. And if we look at what Ted Cruz said in response to, uh, to AOC's comments, I think those are remarks that are, are a long time coming, and I'd like to see more of it. Cruz pointed out, among many things, uh, that it was the uh, the Democratic Party that founded the KKK, KKK, that it was the Democratic Party that wrote the Jim Crow laws, that it was the Democratic Party that filibustered the Civil Rights Acts. And, and Cruz pointed out a list, perhaps, of, of 20 items long in which the, the right had pursued appropriate civil rights actions as compared to the Democrats pursuing things that were resistive to those civil rights actions. So I think this has been a long time coming. Uh, I've always said this was an important thing to do, and I'm very glad to see Ted Cruz finally finally doing that. I wish more Republicans would do it, Bob. Absolutely. I agree with that 100%. Uh, but I do want to ask you about Trump versus DeSantis and what's going on. Well, now we have several candidates who've pledged, uh, including uh, the senator from South Carolina and others that, that want to become president. What are your thoughts on the current field right now? What's going on? Well, look, I mean, this is another situation where I, I like a lot of these people. I like Tim Scott. I mean, I like Vivek Ramaswamy. Uh, you know, and again, I get back to my same point because, uh, you know, it, because I don't think at this point at least they should be president doesn't mean I don't like them. So I really admire <coughs> Tim Scott. His life story is inspiring. Uh, Vivek Ramaswamy has, has made an incredible success for himself and is a, is a strong, meaningful conservative. Uh, so I think there, you know, there are some great candidates that are entering the that Glenn Youngkin uh, may come in. Of course, there's some clunkers in there, like in my estimation, Mike Pence and, and Chris Christie may get in there, but uh, there's some fine people in this. But it's going to come down to, regardless of what happens on the debate stage, and the debate stage is going to be packed, Bob. I think the criteria uh, to be in the debate stage is you have to have uh, 40,000 donors uh, to your campaign and at least 1% on polling. Uh, so this is going to preclude very, very few people because both of those numbers are very easy to acquire. Yeah. So you're going to have a very jam-packed uh, debate uh, platform, uh, but it's going to be, and we know it's going to be between uh, between Ron DeSantis and, and Donald Trump. Um, I, I personally, at this point, um, you, you know my preference is always Donald Trump, but if I was to to say, do, do I have a problem with Ron DeSantis getting the nomination and, and supporting him? Absolutely not. But my, my concern is that if we look back, for example, at Governor Scott Walker in, in, uh, in Wisconsin, uh, he, he had a great 
run in terms of his actions as governor. And yet when he entered the presidential field, we've, we've not even heard from him again. And I don't want this to happen to Ron DeSantis. I think a lot of what is going to happen is how well he stands up to the attacks by Donald Trump. And there will be attacks by Donald Trump. Uh, there's, there's no two ways about it. And certainly the left, once DeSantis announces, which probably will be today on Twitter with, with Elon Musk, uh, I think you're going to see that, uh, that this, is, this man's going to be under tremendous pressure, under tremendous personal pressure, which will pressure on his family, which is already happening with his wife. Uh, so again, I, um, I, I love this guy. I think what he's done in, in Florida has been just outstanding, the free state of Florida. Uh, so we have two of the most outstanding Americans, not just in our lifetime, but in any lifetime, that may be going head-to-head. Uh, and as long as they don't come out bloody, uh, I'm happy with it, I, as I know you are, Bob. But I, I just don't want to see either one of these, these great men damaged uh, as they go head-to-head in the, uh, in, the, uh, in, the, in, the, in the round ring, Bob. No, I think that everything's going to be fine. And no matter what happens, anyhow, six months after it's over, nobody will remember. But I will say this, I mean, to, in my mind, the best possible alternative is to have Trump elected in 2024. So there's so much wrong with America right now, and I mean the, the government, that he's a disruptor. He'll come in and get and start swinging his elbows around and getting things fixed, and then can clear the path for DeSantis in 2028 to use his great intellect and abilities to uh, take us to even higher heights. Uh, you know, I just think that would be a perfect combo. Well, you know, that's always been my model. It goes back uh, perhaps a year when they first uh, bandied about DeSantis' name as being a challenger to Trump. That is exactly the way I thought it should play out. Um, my, I have no problem with Donald Trump, as you know. Uh, it's hard to imagine who would who would join the Trump team in, in the White House, considering the abuse that the prior teams have gone through. Uh, but I think Trump can be a, 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 a one-man wrecking crew in terms of yeah. the, uh, the deep state. And I think you're absolutely correct. You, you need somebody in the White House that is going to be willing and, and shown the ability uh, to seriously go after that deep state. And then if we can get uh, Trump in there for four years, uh, then we can get uh, DeSantis for eight. Give, give us 12 years of sound, uh, well-considered um, uh, governance by uh, by the White House, I think America can possibly escape from where we are now. But it's going to take maybe those 12 years to do it, Bob. I would agree with that, Andy. Andy, we need to take another break. Can you stick around? I'll, I'll be here. Bob. All right. We're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. 
Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining to choice are the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. We continue the conversation with Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. Again, Andy, thank you so much for joining us. Good to be here, Bob. Thank you, Andy. Any other thoughts about the... Uh, the just, f- just one parting thought on the DeSantis-Trump uh, head-to-head, uh, and that's that uh, Ron DeSantis, uh, in this process, uh, if he's going to have a chance of getting the, uh, the nomination and then winning in, in 2024, he's going to have to figure out a way to capture uh, Trump voters without alienating them in, in some way. Uh, in other words, as, as he goes after Donald Trump, and he will have to go after Donald Trump, yeah. uh, he'll have to go after some of his positions, he'll have to go after his personality, uh, some of his, his civic issues and so forth. Uh, but he's got to do this in a manner that will not alienate Trump voters. He can't make them feel foolish. He can't make them feel like they were wrong. Yeah. Uh, because we haven't been. They haven't been. Uh, so this is going to be a, a tricky piece of work for Ron DeSantis, because he has to get those Trump voters behind him, uh, especially going into the, the general election in 2024, Above. Well, I will say that's his nature, because he seems to deflect and almost be like a te- Teflon when it comes to criticisms. He is, uh, he doesn't, he, I think, is an extremely positive person. He uh, relies on expressing the positive. So I think that it's, a, it's a, an important issue. I agree with you on that. But I think he's, he's framed, he's developed, he's uh, built for uh, that kind of a situation. I, I hope he stays with his positive record. I think that uh, that is what he's running on. It's where he should stay uh, in that category, his own personal accomplishments. Uh, I think if he takes some bad advice and begins to go after Donald Trump in a, in a dilatorious manner, uh, he's going to lose uh, Trump voters. There's no doubt in my mind that he will lose Trump voters. Yeah. Uh, in, in the, of course, not the primary, that won't matter, uh, but in the general election where it, it really does matter. So, look, I'm uh, as you and I indicated offline, and I said to you, uh, uh, is that, look, if, if Ron DeSantis wins the, uh, the primary against Donald Trump, he, he, he would make a fine president. So uh, I would have no problem with Ron DeSantis in the Oval Office. No, they think that's absolutely true. So uh, it's pretty clear to me that uh, Joe Biden is probably the most, uh, is the worst president we've ever had in the history of the United States. I'd be curious to know how you compare and contrast uh, Biden with uh, President Barack Obama. Well, Biden is the worst president in terms of, of competencies by, by every measurement. Uh, but if we talk about the, the president, in my estimation, of course, uh, that was the most destructive in our history. 
that was that was Barack Hussein Obama. When uh, Obama entered the Oval Office in uh, 2008, uh, all race relations were heading in the right direction. There were uh, some really good indicators, even coming out of the George W. Bush administration. Uh, and yet uh, those were pretty much put to waste within just a few years of his administration. But if we look what's going on in the world right now and the, uh, the problems that exist as they pertain to Russia, almost all of the negatives that existed uh, in the relationship between the United States and Russia were driven by distortions created by Barack Hussein Obama. Mm-hmm. Uh, so essentially, he was the one that, uh, that threw out 35 uh, Russian delegates. Uh, he, he took actions against uh, four members of the Russian uh, secret uh, service organizations. Uh, he offered sanctions against them, all based on erroneous presumptions that he was aware of, Bob. That's the key. Yeah. He was aware that he what he was saying was lies. And essentially, he used those to attack Russia. Now, put yourself in the shoes of a, uh, of a citizen of, of Russia, a great historic country. Uh, and you're, you're looking at Ameri- an American president lying about your nation, lying about your leader. How would you feel about this country? Yeah. How would that leader feel about that co- this country? And again, it was Obama that in the, in the minds of Russian and in Putin created an American, let's use the word, was sleazy. And I think that that was a result of Obama's concepts going into the uh, 2016 year period, uh, which was a departure, of course, from his earlier part of his presidency, where he sent Secretary of State Hillary Clinton in with her reset button. But by the time the 2016 elections rolled around, in, in, in order to give definition to the reason of the failure of the Democrats, he started to invoke uh, the Russia, Russia, Russia syndrome with serious attacks on Russia as a nation and its leader. Well, I must say Hillary Clinton was a pretty good accomplice. Oh, there's no doubt. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's no doubt. But uh, that, that's, that's another two or three shows right there. But. <laughs> yes, it is indeed. So uh, you, with the little time we have left, do you want to comment at all on what's happened with the FBI and its credibility? I, I, yeah, the specifics aren't even necessary. I think what we're looking at, uh, defined by, uh, by the uh, Durham report, and uh, I wish he had carried... Now, you remember, Durham was a special counsel. He was a prosecutor, yeah. a prosecutor, and he should have prosecuted. There were so many actions that were labeled within the Durham uh, report uh, that, were, uh, pr- that could have been prosecuted, as, as perhaps as high as the word treason. But you know, let's not say that that was the only thing that could have happened. But again, when we look at the, uh, the falsification in FISA, when we look at the, uh, the personal vendettas that were launched uh, for, for Democrat candidates against people on the right, uh, and none on the left, none on the left whatsoever, we're looking at an organization that has, in my estimation, lost the right to exist, certainly lost the right to most of its funding, Bob. Yeah, again, Andy, I just really appreciate this commentary here on the show, and I agree with you 100%. Uh, again, Andrew Jopper, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. The book is off topic for today's discussion, but it is really outstanding, Josephus of Oz. Andy, appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Bob. We'll talk soon. My pleasure indeed, Andy. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. Thank you so much for joining us. We have some great guests tomorrow, including Keith Flaw, the co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. 
Michael Cannon is the Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. Seton Motley is the President of Less Government. I must say he's living in Belize and enjoying it. And Bill Barnett, the former mayor of Naples, will be speaking freely about his observations of what's happening here on the Paradise Coast and across the nation. Always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. Also, if you enjoy the show, tell your friends. That's one of the ways uh, we support our advertisers, and we can't do the show without them. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.